0: I don't know if you've noticed, but I have noticed that my wardrobe and Matt's wardrobe are slowly merging. (laughs) And so I'm not sure the jury's still out on whether I'm dressing more like Matt or Matt's dressing more like me. But alas, there's no spiritual relevance for this morning. (laughs) Uh, As I was walking my dog last night, Uh, Praying for our community. Praying that God would have mercy on us, especially for those that feel desperate for that. Uh, I heard someone uh, across the way say in a really grisly, kind of gnarly voice, I'm not not sure what prompted them to say this, but they said, you can survive in this town, but you can't thrive. (laughs) And then they just kept walking. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) <laughs> some words to live by, I, I, don't, I don't quite know. <laughs> but I, it did strike me, uh, and you know, like in light of what Matt was bringing to our attention, that um, perhaps this week particularly, um, but maybe some of us for a while now have felt this sense of, I'm just trying to survive. And the sense of thriving feels pretty far away, distance, maybe even sort of a forgotten feeling. And it's my hope this morning that you would hear the tender words of Jesus. As we look at this parable, talking about God's mercy, it would come with comfort. This is a parable that we picked out a long time ago, and it just so happened to seem fitting for today. So I'm going to offer us a reflection that hopefully just, in a sense, sets the table for us to be able to do communion together. This parable, as it was read, is Jesus telling a story. And as we've looked at parables, specifically in the Gospel of Luke, they are Jesus painting this picture, so this word picture, telling of this reality, of this way of knowing God and interacting in the world. And some of Jesus' parables have the sense of being descriptive, and some have the sense of being prescriptive. So for example, Matt a couple weeks ago talked about the parable of the Good Samaritan, and the punchline to the whole thing was Jesus saying, go and do likewise. Likewise. It was very much this instruction of how we ought to live with one another. And this parable that Jesus offers, I wonder, is maybe a bit more descriptive. Is actually just giving us a glimpse into a reality that is, and wants Jesus to decide for ourselves where we find ourselves in this reality. So... Jesus is telling a story which just almost maybe seems like he's just describing sort of something that could be taking place right in front of him. It doesn't seem like sort of an elaborate description of something else. It just seems like a very, what could be a very plain, normal event. He talks about two people going up to the temple to pray. It says that one man, a Pharisee, goes up, says he's, stands alone, and I, I get the sense, the picture, that he's, he's standing very erect, very sort of tall, very proud, very arrogant, to say, oh, God, I thank you that I'm not like these other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, and even that, and you can almost imagine him sort of looking over his shoulder, even that tax collector, who Jesus says there was this other guy, a tax collector, of so the least likely of folk who also came up to the temple to pray, but couldn't even go near and couldn't even bring his eyes up to God. And you get the sense that maybe he's just, there's a weight that he's carrying. And his simple, simple prayer is God have mercy on me. He even says it's, he's beating his chest. God have mercy on me a sinner. That's his simple plea, his simple cry, his one request from God. And Jesus says, that man went home justified. He's describing a reality, and it's almost as though Jesus is saying, there's there's two people in the world. You figure out which one you are. So, I mean, the Pharisee, C.H. Spurgeon, so this guy who wrote a lot of sermons back in the day, described this parable. He entitled it to say, this parable is a sermon for the worst man on earth. That's how he wanted to describe what was taking place with this Pharisee. That actually, if you look at it, the Pharisee had, had no sort of outer wrong. The behavior of his life checked every box. He wasn't an evildoer. He wasn't doing wrong. He wasn't an adulterer. Actually, he was really, really good. He went to the temple to pray. He would fast twice a week, and he would give a tenth of all he had to the poor. Prayer, fasting, and giving to the poor were these hallmarks, these pillars of Jewish piety and the tradition, the custom was to fast one day a week. This man is fasting two days a week. Like he's not just really good in his morals. He's actually outstanding morally. There, there isn't sort of a fault in the behavior of this Pharisee. I mean, you look at the piety of this man, of giving to the poor, of fasting, and of prayer. And I wonder, well, what is our piety? What, is, what are the behaviors that we want to quickly hang our hat on to say, okay, God, I'm doing my bit. I mean, maybe for some of us growing up, it was read your Bible, pray, and go to church. If you do those three things, you will be a good Christian. You can't not be a good Christian if you're going to church, praying, and reading your Bible. I, I, I don't know if, if that's maybe. The assumption that we have, maybe for some of us, it's I volunteer with a nonprofit, I try to be generous, and I'm hopefully nicer to others, you know, and that is sort of what makes me different from others as this point of comparison. But for the Pharisee, and what Jesus is trying to highlight is that he's not being saved by his Jewishness if i can say it like that and the same is for us that we are not saved by our christianness that is not what earns us good or right standing before god the prayer of this pharisee is actually completely empty he 's giving thanks to God, but all he's doing is comparing himself to others and saying, "Well at least I'm not like him, him, her, them. That's his offering to God is that he sees himself in good standing based on his comparison to others, which Jesus warns to say that is hollow and futile and I wonder if this is not a helpful word for us today, for how easy it is for us to live our lives simply in comparison to others and for that to give us a sense of worth and maybe even good standing before God. I mean, it's quite subtle. It doesn't take much to slide into this comparison mode. I love this community. I'm deeply thankful For us as a church, I often thank God for the work I get to be a part of and the work they see week in and week out in our midst. And sometimes, if I'm not careful, my prayers can be thanking God for us as a church and also saying, and thank you, God, that we're not like blankety-blank church. It doesn't take much for my prayers to sound Exactly like this Pharisee. I mean, how often do we measure our lives in comparison to others to say, oh God, thank you that I'm not like that co worker, or that I'm not like that online personality, or God, thank you that I'm not like that president? It doesn't take much. It does not take much to try and earn a sense of value and identity simply as a contrast or comparison to others. To think more highly of ourselves than we ought. And then to think God owes us something because of that. How much of our energy is spent trying to prove our rightness to others. It is possible to be right about something and still be wrong. I think that's what we see in the case of this Pharisee. G.K. Chesterton said this. So not C.H. Spurgeon, but G.K. Chesterton. Similar people, similar times, different people. <laughs> he has this, which I, I found very helpful. I uh, like a hundred years ago, like turn of the 20th century, the Times newspaper in England posed the question to various well-known thinkers. Chesterton was a writer, author, Christian apologist. And they asked the question abroad to many different thinkers of the day. He said, what is wrong with the world today? And Chesterton wrote back a letter saying, I am yours, G.K. Chesterton. How many fruitless, frustrating Facebook threads would be solved if there was this simple confession of, you know what, I might be part of the problem, see ya, or, or whatever. <laughs> How often do we become combative in trying to prove ourselves and prove our point against others at the expense of others. This is what the Pharisee was doing before God. The tax collector. This is the one who Jesus said went home justified before God. The biblical sense of justified is that he was made righteous in God's sight. Now, we don't know the details of what got this tax collector to this point of crying out to God to say, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. But we know that somewhere along the way, he had a learned theology of helplessness. That God had something that he did not, and he needed to ask God for it. That is what's void and what's empty in the prayer of the Pharisee. There is this cry for mercy that God would grant him something that he does not have. In Himself. I want to read for us uh, through a few different scriptures that highlight God as merciful. The beauty and the tenderness of what God gives us as a gift that in Jesus, God has done for us what we could not do for ourselves. Because we often, if you're like me, Feel pretty self-sufficient in most things that I do. And it's not usually till I fall on my face that I realize, Oh God, I need you. And so to live out of a posture of saying, God, have mercy on me. These scriptures are things I need to be reminded of constantly. I'll just, I'll read them through for us. The, The references will be on the screen if that's helpful in your note taking. In Matthew 9, 12 to 13, Jesus says, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have come to call the right, not to come, I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Ephesians 2, 4 to 5. Because Of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. Titus 3, 4-5. But when the kindness and love of our God, our Savior, appeared, he saved us, not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. First Peter 1 Peter three, Praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. 1 Peter 2.10 Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Hebrews 4, 15 to 16. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Romans 12, 1. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is, is your true and proper worship? So, what 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 do I mean? What is the picture uh, that Scripture is painting for us in understanding God's mercy in our life? I think saying that prayer of the tax collector: "God, have mercy on me, a sinner." is an invitation to come home with God. It's this permission to be naked and exposed and vulnerable before God, and it's okay. I think God's mercy allows us to come near that God has done for us what we could not do for ourselves. I think knowing God's mercy and having this cry to God, say, God, I need you. This world needs you. Is to pray Psalm 139 with a hope, an ease, with a confidence, with an assurance that God is good. Let me read Psalm 139 for us. This is the first part of it. You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, Lord, you know it completely. For darkness is as light to you. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in that secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, God. How vast is the sum of them were I to count them. They would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I am still with you. I think this cry to God of saying, God, have mercy on me, a sinner, is this invitation to knowing God's nearness and intimacy in our life. Because praying that prayer of God, have mercy on me, means we have to let go of our good standing being comparative to others. The two cannot exist. And it is this trap that I think many of us know well. This exhausting cycle of either trying to inflate our life by looking down on others, or we live with this deflated, shrunken humanity because everyone seems better than us. God says, I want you to let that go. And He invites us into something much, much more. This will be the third time I, Henry Nouwen is quoted this morning, so bear with me. <laughs> <laughs> He says this. He says, I cannot bring myself home, nor can I create communion on my own. I can desire it, hope for it, wait for it, yes, pray for it. But true freedom, I cannot fabricate for myself. That must be given to me. I am lost. I must be found and brought home by the shepherd who goes out to me. And this is where we find ourselves in taking the bread and the juice is that we are reminded that Jesus is the good shepherd who has come out to bring us home. Jesus, the the words that he he. Finishes with in this parable is the second time in the gospel of Luke where he says, those who exalt themselves will be humbled and those who humble themselves will be exalted. And we know that Jesus humbled himself on the cross and that God has now exalted him. And taking the bread and the juice are these reminders to come home again. To serve Remove the things that just have us chasing and comparing so often. It's God's invitation to be with us. Mother Teresa says this Our life must be woven with the Eucharist. From Jesus in the Eucharist, we learn how much God thirsts to love us and how we thirst and how he thirsts for our love and for the love of souls in return. From Jesus in the Eucharist, we receive the light and strength to quench his thirst. So we're going to take communion together. we am going to make some space up here. Gareth, my uh, little clown friend, if you want to... uh, (laughs) I've been waiting for a dig on Gareth for a while, and that was an easy one. (laughs) So let me give some instruction on communion this morning. Uh, it's going to look a little bit different for us uh, in a few ways. One is we're going to give a bit of space to take communion in quiet. That The band's going to come up and they'll, they'll play quietly, softly. But uh, rather than sort of have the simultaneous uh, singing and response and Communion kind of all happening on top of each other and and we often just get log jammed into this space right down here. We're gonna try and space things out just a little bit more this morning. So there's gonna be a bit of a, a bit of a buffer, a bit of a quiet where you're welcome to take communion. Uh and then we will sing together. You you're not rushed to do that. If you would rather wait as we're singing to take communion, you're welcome to do that. But there will be a bit of space to in quietness together to take the body and blood of christ and remembering what he's done for us logistically we're going to try something this morning that maybe is helpful for future mornings there's going to be four stations rather than just three lined up at the back we're going to have one station that will be right up on this side of the rail over here and the same on that space right over there and if you're here on the floor you can actually sort of make your way up to the front and then funnel out that side there's a breaking the gate there and the same, the railing there. And you can make your way and then go along the walls to find your way back to your seat. We'll see if that works. As always, there will be uh, at the tops or left of the room uh, people available to pray. And if you'd like someone to pray with you or for you this morning, it would be our privilege to do that. We'll have another station for those of you that are upstairs you don't have to come downstairs today to receive communion. To Some of you are like, oh, yes. <laughs> so at the top right, the stairs, uh, the top of the stairs in that corner of the room, there'll be a station for communion, so you can sort of make your way there. Uh, and at the back of the room is where we'll have our gluten-free station. So if, if you're looking specifically for that, you can make your way to the back. Um, so... Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, gathered with his disciples around the table, and he said, this is my body, broken for you. And then he took some wine. and This is some juice for us this morning. And he said, this is my blood, new covenant. Will be shed for you. And he said to do this in remembrance of Him. I'm going to invite those who are helping serve communion this morning, come on up, and we will sort of get ourselves arranged. Uh, Those who are playing, you're welcome to come up as well. Okay. Would you pray with me? God, would you have mercy on us? None of us are as we should be. God, would you renew a strength and courage in us to be able to confess that before you and others? God, we see a world that is not as it should be. It is so often hurting and broken. God, we pray your mercy, that somehow, some way, our community, our neighborhood, our city, this world, would know your nearness in the midst of darkness and in the midst of pain. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would Warm in us, the parts of us that have grown cold or distant. That we would know your invitation of grace and mercy. That we would give thanks for what you have done for us, Jesus. Amen.